0: The text for this afternoon's sermon is the entire chapter, Psalm 62, which we have already read, and we won't read that again. The sermon I am about to read has been prepared by the Reverend Jay Poppy, Minister of the Word at Redeemer Canadian Reformed Church in Winnipeg, Manitoba. After the sermon, we will sing in response Psalms 62, verses 1, 2, 4, and 7. Beloved congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, are you confronted with trouble or sorrow in your life? Do you at times feel overwhelmed by your responsibilities and find it hard to cope? Do you worry or do you get anxious about things facing you in life? Are your stress levels running high? Are there times and situations in our, li- there are times and situations in our lives where we feel overrun? Where we do to trouble, sorrow, busyness, or stress, we do not cope all that well with life, where our souls become disquieted within us. David had times like this in his life. When he was only a boy, he became involved in life at the king's palace. He soon became a commander of Israel's armies and often went to war against the Philistines. Later, King Saul realized that David would succeed him as king. Saul sought to kill David, so he fled from the city to the country through deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and among the enemies of God's people. There were times when David was sorely distressed because of Saul's persecution, but also because of the trouble he brought upon himself. David's sin of adultery with Bathsheba and murdering Uriah brought God's hand down heavy upon him. While he did not confess his sin, his strength was sapped. God's curse on David's sin led to the loss of his son and to trouble within his house. Absalom's uprising against David caused him deep sorrow. David was grieved at his son's rebellion and cried out in great sorrow when he was killed. Later, David numbered Israel's fighting men and thus brought a plague on Israel. He was filled with guilt and remorse for bringing so much trouble on God's people. Thus we see that David was a man who faced much trouble and sorrow in his life. He was confronted with more than his share of adversity. There were times when he was nearly overcome by the circumstances of his life. When he faced great opposition, great oppression from all those around him. When his soul was severely disturbed within him. Yet David learned to find his rest in God. He learned to know God as his rock and salvation his refuge in times of distress. David teaches us that in the midst of all the sorrows and stress we face in our lives, we too may find rest in God. He encourages us to trust in God alone and to pour out our hearts to him. He speaks about who God is and why we truly can find rest in him. David gives some specific reasons why it is that we may call on God in prayer and trust him to hear us and grant rest for our souls. I preach you the word of God under the following theme. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. We'll consider one, why we need this rest, two, where we find this rest and three, how we can be confident in this rest our psalm begins with a confident affirmation of david's faith he says my soul finds rest in god alone my salvation comes from him the idea of finding rest in god alone is central to the psalm david repeats this refrain in verse 5 of our text there he urges himself Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. Thus it is important to know what it means to find rest in God. The The verb our text translates to find rest has a variety of meanings. Its basic meaning is to be still or to be silent. From there comes the derived meanings to be at rest or at repose. Some translators have, my soul silently waits for God, or for God alone, my soul waits in silence. While that may be slightly more literal, it does not really convey the sense of what is meant. What does it mean that your soul waits silently? The NIV's translation, my soul finds rest in God is a good one. We see this when we examine some other texts where this verb is used. In Job 30, verses 27, Job describes the great suffering he is undergoing. He says, The churning inside me never stops. His heart is in turmoil and cannot rest. Suffering confronts him, and it eats him up from the inside out. There is no rest for his soul. Two other psalms give us further insight into what it means for a soul to find rest in God. Psalm 37, verse 7 says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. In this psalm, David is entreating himself not to fret when men succeed in their evil plans and carry out wicked schemes. Instead, he needs to trust in the Lord to be confident in his power and love, waiting for the Lord to make things right. In Psalm 131, David says, I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, my soul is is my soul within me. Picture a child sitting on his mom's lap with his head resting quietly on her chest. A child at peace, a child getting ready for sleep, comforted, content, satisfied. That's the picture our text is trying to convey. Our soul needs to find that kind of rest, of contentment, of peace with God. Wouldn't it be wonderful to experience that, beloved? For your soul to be quiet and at peace? For you to experience tranquility and serenity in your inner being? A deep contentment that is alright with life? Do you experience that? I think if we are honest with ourselves, we most often do not experience that way, life that way. At times, we are overcome by the suffering and sorrows of life in this sinful and broken world. At times... Our busyness gets in the way of experiencing rest in our souls. We are so easily swamped by worries and anxieties. How could David confess, my soul finds rest in God alone? How could he encourage himself, find rest, O my soul, in God alone? Was David being naive here? Didn't he understand the realities of everyday life? He makes it sound so easy, as if it is simple to still an agitated heart, as if it is easy to overcome the worries and anxieties that so easily plague us. Was David for real in saying that his soul found rest in God alone? Didn't he face any sorrows or struggles or worries in his life? In many ways, David's life was tougher than most of our lives are. David was still a young man when Saul realized that God had anointed him as the next king of Israel. Saul wanted the kingship to be passed on to his son Jonathan. He saw David as a threat and thus sought to kill him. Saul and his armies chased David throughout the land, trying to find him to kill him. He was hounded. He was severely persecuted. At times, he was in desperate straits. After David became king, he also faced much hardship and sorrow. Due to his sin with Bathsheba and Uriah, the Lord said that the sword would never depart from David's house. We see this punishment from God, especially in Absalom's revolt against David. Absalom won the hearts of many of the men of Israel and raised up a strong army to try to take the throne by force. David fled from Jerusalem. Many cursed and derided him along the way. If the Lord had not frustrated the wise counsel Ahithophel gave to Absalom, he would have succeeded in his coup attempt. Consider the time when David commanded Joab and the commanders of his troops to count Israelites. He wanted to see how big his army was. Joab and his commanders tried to stop David, but he insisted that they obey his command. God was displeased and brought a plague upon the land. This caused David great guilt. He sinned, and as a result, 70,000 men died while he and his household were spared. These examples make clear that David experienced much injustice, sorrow, and guilt in his life. While Psalm 62 does not make us aware of the specific circumstances, it does relate David's desperate struggles. He faced fierce enemies who sought his downfall. David writes about that in verses 3 and 4 of our text. He says, How long will you assault a man? Would all of you throw him down, this leaning wall, this tottering fence? They fully intend to topple him from his lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but in their hearts they curse. David pictures himself as a leaning wall, a tottering fence. Just picture an old, abandoned building. The roof fell in years ago, and the walls are falling apart. A section of the wall is still standing, but due to the foundation rotting away, it is leaning over and ready to fall. All it would take is one good shove. That's David's situation. He is in precarious circumstances, not sure if he will make it. It won't take much to destroy him. And yet, he encourages himself. Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. Beloved, like David, we live in a sinful and broken world, a world that is under the curse. We experience all the effects of that, In our lives, we are confronted with adversity and sorrows. Some experience ongoing sickness. Others face debilitating pain. Some face disabilities or grow older and are quite limited in what they are able to do. Others struggle with anxiety or face challenges in their mental health, financial hardships, struggles in relationships, and loneliness are not uncommon among us. At times we grieve deeply because of the loss of loved ones or because we see a family member or close friend straying from the ways of the Lord. These sorts of things often affect us deeply. Our soul is at times agitated within us. We go through deep emotional struggles. We carry heavy burdens. At times we can feel so guilty, so ashamed, because we feel that what has happened is our own fault. Then our soul is not at rest in God. We are not like that child lying contentedly in his mother's arms. And yet, beloved, we could be. Our outer circumstances in life should not dictate the state of our souls. We need to know where to find this rest. We deal with that in our second point, where to find this rest. David makes it very clear in our psalm that he finds rest for his soul in God alone. David explains why that is so. He says, God alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. Verse 2. This line is part of the theme of Psalm 62. The contents of verses 1 and 2 are repeated again in verses 5 and 6. David confesses God his rock, salvation, and fortress. If we understand what this means, it will help us put our trust in God alone. David says, God is my rock. David is not talking about a little rock, but about a great big one. Along the coastal plains, in the mountains, and scattered about in the desert of Judah, there are huge rocks. Why does David confess God to be his rock? Because, like a rock, God is immovable. He remains the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In our lives, we face changing circumstances, but rocks remain the same for centuries. That's how God is for me, says David, the strong, stable, unchanging center of my life. That's why David could remain calm through all the storms of life. No matter what, he could count on God. David calls God my salvation. He knew that his help was in the Lord, the Creator of heaven and earth. God was the one who always provided David's needs. He experienced that again and again in his life. When fleeing from the persecution of Saul, God granted David and his men food when they were hungry. He granted them a number of miraculous escapes. From the hands of Saul's men. David also knew that his God was gracious and merciful, that he forgives the sins of his people. God helps, he provides both materially and spiritually. David goes on to confess God as his fortress. A fortress is a place of safety. Think of Jerusalem, it was built on a mountain and had a good supply of water, and was fortified by strong walls. Within it, you are safe from all your enemies. God is like that in life's struggles, in the commotion and stress we often face in our lives. He is my fortress. I feel safe with my God. In him alone do I find refuge. Wouldn't you like to confidently say these things about God, beloved? That God is my rock? my salvation, my fortress, my refuge. Life is hard at times for us. We face many challenges, uncertainty, times of sorrow and grief. Humanly speaking, we have many reasons to get wor- to be worried, to get worried, to be anxious about the problems facing us. Yet, we are safe with God. God wants you to have that comfort that confidence, yet we often miss out. Do you know why? It is because we do not trust in God alone. Our soul does not find rest in him alone. It is striking that in our psalms so much emphasis is put on that word alone. This word is used six times in Psalm, Psalm 62 it can be translated in either an emphatic way to mean surely or truly, or in a restrictive way to mean only or alone. In Psalm 62, it is best to translate this word only or alone. Four of the six times it refers to God. Verse one, my soul finds rest in God alone. Verse two, He alone is my rock and my salvation. Verse 5, find rest, O my soul, in God alone. And verse 6, he alone is my rock and my salvation. In the Hebrew, in each of these verses, the word alone is the first word of each sentence. That is done for emphasis. Alone in God my soul finds rest. Alone, he is my rock and my salvation. The point is that we need to learn to find rest for our souls in God alone. To trust in him exclusively. God calls us to do that in verse 8 of our text. He says, trust in in God at all times, O peoples. That is hard for us to do. For the tendency of the human heart is to trust, at least for some part, in ourselves and our own resources. Do we trust in God alone to provide for what we need? Or do we trust in God plus our job? God plus our financial assets? God plus our RRSP? God plus our regular check from the government? When we face health issues, do we trust in God alone, or in God plus our doctor, God plus our medicine, God plus our supplements? In everyday life, do we rely on God alone, or on God and our spouse, God and our parents, God and our children, Do not underestimate the struggle it is for us as human beings to place our full confidence and trust in God alone. The Lord performed great signs and wonders in delivering his people Israel from Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Yet they found it hard to trust in God and a God they could not see. Thus they tried to worship God through the golden calf. When we do not trust in God exclusively, our soul will not find rest in Him. Consider the great struggle God's people had with this throughout the ages. They were attracted to the gods of the surrounding nations. If you asked them who they served, they would confess that their help was in the name of the Lord. But they sought to hedge their bets. Perhaps serving Baal, the fertility god, would result in him blessing them with more abundant crops and increases in their flocks and herds. Joshua confronted the Israelites with their half-heartedness in Joshua 24. He urged them, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, Then choose this day whom you will serve, whether that be the gods of Mesopotamia or the gods of the Amorites. But, said Joshua, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Elijah was called as prophet of the Lord during a time when Israel had fallen into idolatry. He challenged the prophets of Baal to a contest on Mount Carmel. The purpose was to show the people of Israel who truly was God. Whom could they trust in? Elijah said to God's people, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. 2 Kings 18, verse 21. Our catechism teaches us that idolatry is having or inventing something in which to place our trust instead of, or in addition to, the only true God, Lord's Day 34. Don't we often do that, beloved, where we put trust in other people, or where we trust in our money and possessions, or where we trust in our strength, our intellect, our own hard work? It is not that we don't trust in God. Our problem is that we do not trust in him alone. David could find rest in God because throughout all the trials and struggles he faced, he placed his trust in God alone. Because his life was centered on God, he found comfort and strength in him. The outward circumstances of life became less important For his heart was focused on God. That helped him to cope with all the adversity, sorrow, guilt, and stress he faced in his life. David's great son, our Lord Jesus Christ, also trusted in this way. He read and sang the Psalms. Many of them were fulfilled in him. Christ came into this world as God's anointed one. But like David, he was not accepted as king. He suffered the bitter experience of God's own people trying to topple him. Especially during his suffering on the cross, he was a leaning wall, a tottering fence. And yet, even on the cross, he placed his trust in God alone. He cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Note that even in this hour of his greatest trial, he still referred to his father as my God. Jesus persevered in his trust in his heavenly father. He expected the father to deliver him, and God did. He raised him from the dead and exalted him as Lord and King over all. Christ's trust was completely vindicated. So, beloved, do you trust in God from the heart? Do you place your confidence in him alone? In good days and bad, in riches and in poverty, in health and in sickness? Are you missing out on the real comfort God offers you? If you continue to waver between two opinions, if you trust in God in part, but think that you need to do your share to get you out of the difficulties that confront you in life? If self-reliance gets in the way of finding rest in God alone, beloved, in God alone, beloved, are you like that young child sitting on his mom's lap at rest, at peace in his mother's arms? If not, how can you get there? We'll deal with this in our final point. In it, we'll consider how we can be confident in this rest. In the final verses of our text, David explains what it is about God that allows him to find rest for his soul in God alone. He says, One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard. O You, O God, are strong, and that you, O Lord, are loving. God has revealed two basic truths to David, that he is strong and that he is loving. People who have questions about God often doubt him on one of two points. When going through trouble and adversity, they may think that God is not powerful enough to save them. They doubt God's almighty power, his ability to change absolutely everything, anything in their lives. As Reformed people, this is not always our greatest struggle. We know that God is omnipotent, that he holds the whole wide world in his hands. We believe in God's providence, that by his mighty power, he rules over this world and all that is in it. There is, however, a second point on which many people doubt God. They doubt his love. Oh, they will agree with you that God is a loving God. But somehow, that love does not apply to them personally. I'm not worthy of God's love. I don't deserve it. Why would God love a wretched sinner like me? We, beloved, can face great struggles on this point. Struggles that ultimately result in us not being able to find rest, to live in peace with God. These struggles have been with God's people throughout the ages. Think of the time when Israel went into Babylonian captivity. The people questioned God's power. They thought that perhaps he was not strong enough to save them from the might of the Babylonian army. They questioned God's love. How could the Lord allow Israel to be conquered, allow Jerusalem to be conquered? the temple destroyed, and his covenant people to be taken into captivity. Did God not remember his covenant? Didn't he love them anymore? When we face those questions, we need to turn back to the word, to learn to know God as he truly is, as our rock and salvation, our refuge and fortress. We need to study the scriptures, to see God's hand at work, for the benefit of his people we need to consider his great love in sending the lord jesus to save us from our sins we need to read psalms like psalm 62 and allow god to speak directly to our heart so that we may be renewed in our confidence in the lord the spirit uses god's work god's word to help us grow in trust we also need to pray In verses 8 of our text, David encourages us. O people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Beloved, tell God what lives in your heart, your sorrows, your fears, your struggles. Our prayers should not be rote prayers. They need to be open, heartfelt communion with God. Tell God how it is in your life. Tell him the things bothering you, the troubles you face. Unload your burdens. Cast your cares upon the Lord. That is the way to overcome all the stress, the anxiety, and the sorrows of this life. By committing our souls to God, we will find rest in him. Instead of being disquieted within us, we will experience peace in our souls not because our circumstances have changed, but because we trust God to give us strength to deal with them. Beloved, when our life is centered on God, when we place our confidence in Christ alone, we will find that quiet, that rest, that peace which God God gives to his children. May our souls find rest in God alone. Amen.